Hey guys, this is Naeem and you've reached the Mosaic Church Podcast. So excited that you're part of our listening community and I'd love for you to be even more connected. So check out our website. There's more content there and there's more opportunities for you to get connected in our ministries and events as well. Also, love for you to share this content. If this is blessed to you, I know that God wants to use you to bless other people with it. So share this podcast, if you will. Lastly, would you consider supporting this ministry? This is made possible by other people's generosity, and I'd love for you to pay it forward. Join us to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus together. So would you consider giving to this ministry? I know that God is able to do immeasurably more through us when we come together. Thank you so much. God bless you and enjoy. So last week, Kristen rapped right after this video. Wow. Uh, we're going to call her the rapping pastor. Yes. I think we should actually come up with like fun names for her and because, wow, I mean, I can't do that, friends. I can't. And besides, the song was like in the 80s or 90s or something from the 90s, right? I wasn't even born. No, no I wasn't. No, no. Actually, I was born. But it was not in the States. I was not in the States. Well, I was sort of in the States. Anyway, she's super talented. What, I, what can I say? Whatever, whatever. I'm not rapping this thing. I'm not, I'm not. But I am so glad that she kicked off our series because it's a great conversation. This whole idea about money and finances and how we need to have like a better perspective on it. I got to tell you, back in the day, I used to be really weirded out about talking about finances in church because I felt like I was telling people how to live their life. I don't know. I know. But then I realized that Jesus talks so much about finances and so much about money because he kind of knew something that we did not realize. Um, the truth is, is that uh, we might think that sometimes when we hear a message about money and finances in the church that, um, you know, that the church is trying to control your life or God is trying to control your life. The truth is, when you see the teachings of Jesus, he's not trying to, trying to control your life. No, he's actually trying to set your life free from the power of money. Because the truth is that sometimes money can promise things that only God can provide. So let's jump into it. Let's find out what's going on. Now, I got to tell you, this first passage of Scripture is pretty interesting. This is what Jesus said. Matthew 6, 20. For NIV translation, by the way, says, No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one uh, and love the other, and he will be devoted to one or despise the other. You cannot serve both money, I mean, sorry, God and money. Now, you might have heard this passage before. You kind of go, Well, I don't know. Do I really believe this? I'm not quite sure. Here, Jesus is saying that somehow money will become your master, it'll want to become. Uh, your master. It'll want to rule over you, even though you think that um, you control it. You know, it's interesting. I live with two cats. Yes, two cats. I do. I do. Not by choice, friends. No, 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 not by choice. Uh, but, but, but because of love, I do. Uh, by love. And what I mean by that is, is like my, my wife, Ashley, loves cats. Um, my daughter loves cats. I'm not quite sure about my son. He tolerates them. Um, and so do I. Yes, we have two cats. Uh, uh, first cat is uh, Harry, Harry Potter. Yes, yes, Harry Potter, black cat. And the other one is Katniss, Katniss Everdeen. Yes, from Hunger Games. It's a thing. I don't know what it is. Now, my mom's into cats as well. In fact, she had a cat. 
and uh, her, the cat's name was uh, Boo. Yeah, Boo. And it was like one of those, like, it, was like, like, it looked like Garfield, like the cat, like big, fluffy, orange cat. And she loved that cat. And then she, my mom, actually, sad story, got deported for about three years. Um, and um, so when she was away, we were trying to get her back. It was a complicated thing. Anywho, the, the cat, her cat passed away, died. And my sisters were like, you, um, you, you got to do something. I'm like, what, 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 what are we, we going to do? And they were like, mom cannot hear any bad news. We got to figure this out. And so my sisters came up with this idea, okay? Now, this is why what pets make you do crazy things, okay? Crazy things. By the way, I think cat people are crazier, right? If you're in the chat, let me know. Are the cat people crazier or dog people crazier? I think they both are. But anyways, let's go back to the story. So we're trying to fix this situation because my sisters do not want to let my mom know that her cat died, which is another issue, by the way. So they come up with a game plan. They come up with getting another cat that kind of looks like, or looks like, uh, Boo. So one day I show up, and they've got a cat. They're like all so excited. They got a cat. Now, this cat is orange, but not as fluffy, okay? It's really super skinny. Still orange, though. Yeah, still orange. And it is, um, it's, um, it's a boy, not a girl, okay? So that's a problem. And then I was like, oh, okay, so this is Boo. This is the new Boo. We're just going to go with that. And then my sisters go, no, 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 it's not Boo. Its name is Pez. I was like, oh, Pez. I was like, well, but we're going to call it Boo, right? And they're like, no, 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 you don't call it Boo because it'll be confused. And I'm thinking, what is going on? You're going to now tell mom when she comes back, like, her cat, like, lost weight, had a sex change, and changed her name? Like, what? And this is the same cat? What is going on? What's going on? It's interesting because I think sometimes pets, pets seemingly make their owners their pet. Now, why is this? Why is this so important? I, it's really not, first of all. But I do think it makes a good point. I think that if you and I were serious about uh, you know, thinking about our finances and how we um, relate to finances, you realize that, um, that money, even though it needs to be your pet, you are its pet. Like money controls you more than you control it. See, with a animal like if it, if it if it makes you do stuff more than it, you get from the the, the the pet i mean you're doing more i think money does the same thing i think even though even though we're supposed to make our money work we work for money we do they're like and we are used to that reality the problem is jesus is saying yeah but money is a cruel master. It's a great servant, but it's a cruel master. And you do not want to become money's pet because it's cruel. It's cruel. And it won't allow you to serve God's purposes, nor will allow you to step into the fulfillment that you have and you want in life. So let's jump in. Let's figure out what does the scriptures say. The scriptures talk about the fact that even though we resist this idea, it is true in America. Did you know just statistically 55% of households live paycheck to paycheck? These numbers vary. 
Now with COVID-19, I mean, this pandemic, things have changed, but man, it's crazy. 60% of households or more carry credit card debt. 70% of American uh, are, say that they're worried about uh, finances. The average family carries $10,000 in credit card debt. And we're not even talking about like college tuition that we're trying to pay off. Isn't it amazing? An average 21-year-old owes 12 grand, and by 28, they owe $78,000. Again, these are stats. These change up and down, but man, isn't it crazy? And then also, this idea with money, uh, money is so weird because it, it, your relationship with it is so strange. One, it's trying to make you its pet, I think, uh, but we... We're emotionally tied to money. I mean, I think that's the issue, isn't it? We are. And also, what it allows us to, um, to experience, like as in, like when you get money, you go, oh my gosh. I remember my first job, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm rich. And then I realized, I don't make a whole lot of money. I'm like, I need some more money. And then I realized that every time I hit a certain uh, level of income, I'm like, ah, but I'm not, I'm not that really rich. rich. I, I, I would love some more, I love some more, love some more, love some more, love some more. And you've heard statistics, like, like if you make 40, 35 or 40 grand U.S. dollars, you are on the number, like you're 1% like rich people, in, uh, you know, when you consider the world. Now, I know that's not a real life. I get that. And I, I get that. But the truth is that rich or being rich is a moving target. We'll always continue to try to figure out, are we there yet? And it's going to keep on going. Again, we have this relationship with money that's kind of vague. It's strange. We're trying to pursue it, and it's kind of trying to manipulate us. I, and the reason why I talk about this is because I want you to fundamentally change your relationship with money. And here's why. Because it shapes, friends, it shapes our character. Money has the power to do that. In fact, also it has the power to steer our peace and our satisfaction in life. It does. It shapes our character and it steers maybe even the direction of our lives. Sometimes we choose um, a certain career even though, even though we don't want to do this. We don't want to do this. And we choose to move in that direction to have money, and then we find ourselves miserable. You know people like that. Maybe you are one of those people in the middle of a career change, basically, going, I don't want to do this anymore. See, money has the, again, I'll say it again, money has the power to shape, shape your character and steer the direction of your life. Well, uh, let's jump into that a little bit more. Let's go in there a little bit deeper here. What am I saying? Uh, Well, I mean, you know, I mean, when it comes to money, um, it can shape your integrity. I mean, it, it really can. It can, it can it, uh, your honesty, your commitment, it can define those things very differently depending on your relationship with money. And then it can also steer the direction of your life. I mean, it can actually rob the direction of your life. It can rob security out of your life. It can rob a faith out of your life. It can make you more stressed and anxious and fearful. I mean, you and I, know this. This is, this is true. And it's, again, connected to our relationship with money. See, I grew up, um, I grew up with a lack of money. Yeah, I did. I grew up with a lack of abundance, and I, had, I, had, I, I just grew up in scarcity. 
You know, I was uh, one of five. We lived in Kuwait, and uh, we were not the richest, and we were not the poorest, but we always were lacking. I mean, can you relate to that? Like, you just didn't have enough to go around. That there was never enough to go around. I remember coming to the States, and I didn't come and stay in state and go to college as, and be a, and, and was a broke college student. No, no, no. I was a poor college student, my friends. I was. I mean, I, I remember we were like, we were like, our meals were connected to fast food specials. I mean, like, it was, okay, $5 foot-long sandwiches, or uh, if it's going to be, like, the $1 menu or the specials or Taco Bell will save the day for us. I mean, seriously. I mean, it was crazy. Fried bologna, have you ever had that? Oh, man. In fact, in college, most of my college, I didn't even have a bed. I kid you not. Don't feel bad for me. I didn't. I have a mattress, but I didn't have an actual bed. It's, it was, it's crazy. I worked three jobs. Um, man, barely, barely was able to pay the bills. I had people pay my tuition. I had people pay for my books. I mean, it was kind of a bad thing, deal. And then I had to actually literally pretty much beg the president of College of Charleston, hey, Cougars, uh, uh, to, to give me some kind of scholarship because I was an international student. That's how I was classified. And there's no way I was going to be able to pay all that tuition. So they gave me a scholarship. He gave me a scholarship after me begging him. And I was able to, able, able to um, graduate. Now, imagine going through that. And you have your own story. What kind of relationship will you have with money? For me, it was like, my precious. I'm like, this, I'm holding on to it, man. I mean, I can be generous with my time, my, you know, my resource. I'll pray for you, but I ain't giving you anything. I'm not doing that. No, it's mine. You know how hard it was for me to get this? For some of you, it might have been easier. Now, Ashley, when we were dating, she felt pity for me. She really did. I mean, she, friends, she actually paid part of my tuition. I mean, she'd just keep on. She'd go there and just pay, pay some of it. Now, she grew up in, um, in abundance. She did. Now, at the time when I dated her, she, her parents lived on a golf course, yes, and her dad was, um, you know, CEO of a tech company, yes, I mean, the lap of luxury, I mean, they were great people, but I'm just saying, their relationship with money was like, they had money to not burn, but my relationship was very different. You have a particular relationship with money, a lot of emotions connected to it, Either it's joy and contentment and luxury and all of those things, or it's like anxiousness and stress and fighting. Some of us have conversations with our spouses, and man, when money comes up, there's so much emotion, right? Some of you have been ignoring the conversation with your spouse or with your significant other or even with a roommate situation. You're like, uh, you just don't like it. You don't like people owe you money. Maybe you owe people money. You're like, ah, I'm not quite sure. I don't know. Don't bring this up. I'm not quite sure. All of that are emotions that you and I live with. And friends, if we live with like um, um, these, these, these intense emotions, man, it's going to drag your life. So God wants to do what? He wants to set us free 
from that, but we have to look at the scriptures. We have to know that when God talks about it or when Jesus does his teachings on money, he's trying to set us free and he's trying to change our relationship with money. Again, I'll say it again. Money is a cruel, cruel, cruel master, but it's a great servant. So how could we reverse this? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. We are going to reverse this by breaking up with money. Yes, you and I have an emotional relationship with money, and we're breaking up. We're having it. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're not doing it through, through text. No, no, no. We're not doing that. We're not ghosting it. We are having, we're doing this. Face-to-face, we're like, we are done having an emotional relationship with money. I'm not saying that Money doesn't cause us to have emotions. But you and I have to break the cycle of emotional relationship with money. I want you to have a strategic relationship with money. Okay, let's say it again. Not emotional, strategic relationship with money. And guess what? I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. Now, at Mosaic, we never pass the plate. If you grew up in a church, you're like, oh my gosh, I know about that. I've never, I haven't even heard that in a while. Some of you, maybe not used to church, you're like, passing the plate. What are we doing? What are we doing? And others of you are thinking, I am so glad I'm watching from home because there's no passing the plate. There's nothing. That's not happening. I'm, I'm so comfortable right now. I'm good. So the good thing is, those of you who are online, that's great. But those of you who are here at the Hope Center, you are my guinea pigs. Now, I'm not going to make you uncomfortable. I'm not going to make you uncomfortable. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pass the plate. Usher's going to come. Okay, so they're coming. They're coming, and you're going to notice that there are envelopes in their bucket. I want you to gra- grab the bucket, take one envelope. Just take one. Just take one. You're like, ah, oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like this. I don't like this. I know. Again, see, you're having an emotion. You're having a reaction to it, right? An emotional reaction to it. Just take it. Go ahead. Ushers, ushers, yes, yes. Take it. Don't take your time, but just pick one. Just pick one. Just pick one. Just pick one. Everybody needs to have one. At the Hope Center, those of you, again, who are watching, you're like, I'm so glad that I am not there right now. I know, whatever. But friends, those of you at the Hope Center, love you guys. Grab an envelope. Don't open it up, though. Don't open it up. Okay, here's the thing. I'll tell you what's in it. Now, we do not pass the plate at Mosaic. We never have in 15 years. Hello, we have not. Okay, we, we never wanted to put uh, you in a place uh, that you had to give to us um, um, we wanted you to be generous towards us. Like we never wanted to take from you. We wanted you to give, in a, in a sense, out of the generosity of your heart. And so we are passing the place today, and, and in the envelope is $10. Yes, $10 for each of you. You get a dollar. I mean $10. You get $10. You get $10. We all got $10, okay? Hopefully you grabbed one of those envelopes. And if you didn't, come on, play along, play along. Your kids, though, especially, uh, the elementary uh, kids, are going to get an envelope as well. They get $5, not 10 Okay, they get $5. Now, now, before you do anything, right now, just stop, listen. You are right now thinking, I don't want to open this up, because you just had an emotional reaction to the envelope. If you open it up, and you're welcome to, you'll, ha- you'll see the $10, and you'll have like, you're like, and you thought of something. Instantly you're like, I'm putting it back. I'm so glad I got it. Oh, that helps me out here. What do you want me to do with this? Oh my gosh. Some of you guys are already like, ah, oh, it's a burden. It's a burden. Relax. See, that's what I want to break. I want to break this emotional 
connection, highly charged emotional relationship you have with money. Remember, I want us to move to a strategic relationship with money. Money is, um, is paper, friends. It's paper. It's, it's not a toy. It's a tool. And money is, is just paper, okay? And so we can just be strategic about it, and that's what I want you to get to. So let's jump in, because the teachings of Jesus and the teachings of the Scriptures are connected to using finances, using money as strategic investments and not having this emotional connection to it. So let's jump in. So what does it look like? The first thing I need you to understand is that Scriptures talk about this idea of percentages when it comes to um, spending or using money uh, strategically. Okay, First, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, 8 says this. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must, you must, each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't be reluctant or respond to pressure. Don't do that. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left to share with others. The uh, translation, number one, remember that you're using money as, like I said, an investment. Also, think of, like, don't be uh, swayed by other people's spending habits. No, you think of your life. And I think here, I want to say, and this might be stretching a little bit, but I want to say he's thinking, I want you to think percentages. I want you to think like strategic. I want you to understand that you're going to be very strategic on how you're going to use money to seed your future. To seed your future. How are you going to do that? And so I think Friends, I think this points to this idea of being so smart and so strategic with money. Again, moving emotions out of it. Being uh, people that think of percentages. So when you manage your finances, you go, I'm going to manage what I give. Here, the, the scripture saying, what I sow, what I, what I keep, how I spend. He's talking about percentages on three things. Number one, he's thinking of percentages on like saving on giving and of spending. He's saying have a game plan and it's connected to your character because God wants to transform you into a generous giver. See, this is deeper than that. So when we look at those three things, this idea of saving, uh, giving, and spending, think of percentages. Now you might have um, heard this idea you might practice this. I think people do. But people, people, and especially strategic people, think of percentages. They know exactly how much resources and how much time and how much money they're going to give to what project because they want to head uh, a certain direction and they want to end up a certain uh, place. And so they're strategic with their schedule. You know this. It's the same with resources. So let me give you a suggestion. A suggestion is think of a 10-10-80 plan. I know, sounds like a mobile plan, like, right? 
for AT&T, but it's not. 10, 10, 80. 10% you, you save. 10% you give away, and 80% you live off of. You spend. What if you did something like that? Now, this is just a suggestion, but let me jump into it, right? 10% saving. Can you do that? Can you do that? I'll just be honest with you guys. Okay, it is tough for me and Ashley to say that. There have been times in our lives that we are doing 10, saving 10, and then there are times um, right now we're not. Okay, but we still have a percentage that we're saving. But there are two kinds of savings. There's a long-term saving and there's short-term serving, and we do that. Now, short-term serving is the, I like to call it the oh-no fund. The own no fund. That means we always, regardless of our paycheck, what we got in our paycheck, we always have this own no fund. We save a certain percentage of like, what? Are you kidding me? This broke down. Oh my gosh. The other day, friends, we spent over um, close to $1,000 on Freon. Yes, Freon. 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 Yes. I'm like, what? What? I got to get in that business. What? $1,000. The guy's like, yeah. Yeah, it's gonna, it, it's, uh, your AC went out and yada, yada. And it just needs Freon, but it's going to be like $950. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Is that just gas? I mean, I got gas. What? What? No way. And then he said, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, be grateful that the whole thing didn't, you know, shut down because that's $15,000. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? He was like, yeah, your AC unit is going to cost that much. Friends, my prayer life has changed. I'm not praying for food anymore. I'm praying for my AC. I'm also praying for the AC of the church because it's going to be $50,000 to replace the AC of the church. Oh, my gosh. What? See, the oh, no, or, or oh, crap fund is that money you've set aside that when something does happen, you're not freaking out. See, we had that, so we were able to pay for that without like, oh, my gosh, we're maxing on our credit card or anything like that. No, we didn't have to. Because we have short-term savings, and then we also have long-term savings, which are uh, like retirement savings, which are investment savings, which are things that we are putting away money, and we're, we're saving strategically, and our savings are actually making more money. They're investments. So think about that. Do you save a certain percentage? See, I would say 10, but, but I mean, just full disclosure, right? Sometimes it's not 10. It's not 10. But are you living without saving anything. Start with saving 10 or saving a percentage. And then, friends, then, then give, give, give 10%. Now, giving 10%, the whole 10% thing um, is strategic, extremely strategic, but it's also very biblical. The tithe, if you ever heard of the tithe, that means the tenth, the tenth of your, um, of your income. Of your income, and so, so you and I have to understand that there is a, a highly spiritual principle when it comes to giving. Now, I, I love this Proverbs, um, Proverbs eleven twenty four in the Message translation. It says this: "The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller." I, I think it's so true. It does. It seems like the generous people in my life, their world is always bigger and bigger. I don't know why. But the stingy people, their world is very small, and they want to control it. I think that God wants to speak to us 
about how large is your world or how small is your world. How about this? How large is your God? How small is your God? I think your generosity is connected to how, how big you think God is. So when it comes to tithing, God instituted tithing in the Old Testament and also through the New Testament to break the power of money in our lives. Because again, money promises what only God can provide. See, in Malachi, it's an Old Testament book. Um, it says this, and I don't know if you've ever read this before. Malachi uh, chapter 3. You might call it Malachi. That might be a, a respectable way of saying the word. I'm not quite sure. I think it's Malachi. Okay? Chapter 3, verses 6 through 12. It says, I am God. Yes, I am. I haven't changed. I haven't changed. Okay? And some translation says, I do not change. And then he says, and because I haven't changed you, the descendants of Jacob, haven't been, you haven't been destroyed. You have a long history of ignoring my commands. You have done a thing I've told you not to do. Return to me so I can return to you, says God of angel armies. Now I'm reading the um, message translation because it's, it really gets to the point right here. And then he says this. He says, but you ask, um, but how do we return? Begin by being honest. Do honest people rob God? But you rob me day after day. Here God is saying to his people that you're robbing me. And they're going, what do you mean? What do you mean we're robbing you? And then he goes on and says, you ask, how have, how have we robbed you? And then God says, the tithe and the offering, that's how. And now you are under a curse, the whole lot of you, because you're robbing me. Bring your full tithe to the temple treasury so that it may be ample provisions in my temple. He's like, oh, okay. Now he's saying, you're robbing me. Then he's saying that you need to bring the whole you need to bring your whole tithe in here and because there needs to be tithe in my kingdom, in my church, in my temple. And then he says, test me in this and see if I don't open up heaven. Now, you think God's going to be like, okay, he said you're under a curse, but God's not threatening. If he's threatening, he's threatening with a blessing. He's saying, test me in this and see if I don't open up heaven itself for you and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. See, what he was referring to was in Leviticus 27, it talks about a tithe that they were told to give off of their land and their grain. God has strategically set this up. Why? Because, friends, if you call yourself a Christian, right? If you don't call yourself a Christian, again, this section might not connect to you. But if you call yourself a Christian, here's the deal. You are calling yourself that because you're basically saying that uh, I'm about what, what, what God is doing, what Christ is doing in the church. You're about his kingdom. You're about his work here um, in the world. His kingdom come, his will be done. Now, that's what you want. You know, you're about 
all that Christ is doing in this world. So if you're that, I need you to know that what, one thing that he's doing is he's setting up local churches. Like that is what God's plan was. He said upon this church, I, upon this confession, he told Peter, I'm going to build my church. Now, is he talking about people? Of course he is. Of course he is. But the early church was built on this principle. It was built on this. And he says it here in Malachi. I do not change. It's not like I told you in the Old Testament and now you don't have to do it in the New Testament. No, it's connected, friends. And that's why this gets so perverted. It does. You know this. It gets perverted because some people go, if you don't give to God, you're going to be cursed. That's not necessarily what he's saying here. He's saying you're always going to have an emotional connection and an emotional relationship with money. You need to break the power of money in your life. And there's nothing that breaks the power of money in your life than generosity. And God's saying, here's the thing. I want you to be generous. But first, I would like you, I would like you to be generous to me. So that's what the tithe is. Because I want to accomplish some work. There's no way we, we would have the New Testament books. There's no way that we would have the things we have right now if people weren't committed to the local church. Friends, the local church is the hope of a community, a hope of a city, a hope of the world. We are not a nonprofit organization, uh, uh, like a nonprofit, like as in just to do good. Uh, I mean, we should do good. But you know what I'm talking about. We're not the Red Cross. We're, we're not government institutions. We're not uh, for-profit. No, no, no. The local church, giving to the local church is giving to the kingdom of heaven. It's a giving to the kingdom, the local on-the-ground work of building the kingdom here in, in this world. That's why, friends, it's so important for us, you, for you and I, to understand that. And see, I love the fact that we have percentage givers here at Mosaic. And what I mean by that is there are people who've given a 10% and have consistently given 10%. Others give less, others give, others give more. But it's because of percentage givers, we're able to, to, to provide this experience right now. If you're watching, listening, if you're sitting here, I mean, this is why, um, this is what happens when people just become percentage givers. They, they save a percentage and they give a percentage. What about you? What about you? I think God wants you to become a generous person. I think he wants you to not just tithe, but he also wants you to give an offering. And if people think, like, what's an offering? An offering is all the other stuff. Offering is offering to buy someone lunch or offering to give to a cause or offering to pay for someone's gas. It's offering. It's not tithe. It's offering. And man, I've seen my life, even though I had a warped relationship with money, a scarcity relationship with the money, a lack when it came to money, a wanting to hold on to money. Man, I've seen that when I've stepped into, and I started in college, giving and did giving tithe and offering, and I gave this religiously. Still do. We start at 10%, sometimes we give 11, sometimes we've gone to 12% in just tithe. And I don't say that to brag. I say that to say, friends, I have never lacked, and I've gotten so many amazing blessings. There is a blessing, and there's, there's also a curse. It's connected to it. And I'm not saying you're going to get, like, diseased or anything like that, but there is this curse, and basically what we do is we put it on ourselves. Luke 6 says this. Give, and you will receive. See, that's it. That's it. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for you for, for more running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. 
See, don't curse yourself by not getting back because you're going to reap what you sow. Proverbs 11:24 says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. See, God's saying this, hey, this is the blessing, this is it. But the reverse of that is what? A curse. A curse. So friends, let's be the most generous people. So you save 10%, a percentage. You give a percentage. Friends, you can start with 1%, 2%, just start somewhere today. And then you spend. You spend whatever you want, the 80%. You spend. But what we don't want to do is we don't want to spend 110%, which most people do. Most people on a month spend 100% or 110%, and then they get into credit card debt. And they go, I can't pay, I can't tithe, and I can't save. That is my, that's, my, that, that's when people tell me, man, I would love to, pastor, I would love to, I'd love to. And I would just want to say, how much percentage of money do you spend? Oh, all of it. Oh, okay, then, well, then there, there is no money. If you spend all of it or 110% of your income, there's no money. So spend 80%. And then enjoy yourself. But I want to say this. Be wise in how you spend your money. And when you spend money, uh, the, 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 the life you have. Be wise. Be wise. Why do I say that? Okay. Proverbs 22 says this. You, have you heard this before? It says, the rich rule over the poor. Which is, you know, he's talking about a concept. And he says, and the borrower, the borrower is the slave of the lender. Now you might relate to that. A whole lot. Why do I bring this up? Because Ash and I have had pretty in, um, awkward conversations with family members who have either asked for certain things, like, for example, co-signing for them, just being honest, um, or putting our credit on the line for them. And we've had some really tough conversations about it. Um, because I'm not quite sure if we want to spend our resources and our money and our credit that way. Guys, um, it's okay. It's okay. Because if you have an emotional relationship with money, here's what you're going to do. You're going to give money away. You're going to co-sign for people. And you, be, and you do this not because you're generous, because you feel bad. Did you hear me? You feel bad. Again, it just connects you to this emotional, unhealthy emotional relationship you have with money. But today, hopefully, you're going to have a strategic relationship with money. Not emotional. You broke up. You broke up. You know what? You told money. You know what? It's not me. It's you. It really is. Okay? It really is. So we're breaking up. We're breaking up. Now, as we end, what are you going to do with this envelope? You got $10. $10. So, name. what's the point of this? Here's the point. I want you to... Do something that you might have not been doing with your finances, and you're going to start with the envelope that you got. Okay. Now, those of you online, um, just play along. Just play along because there's no envelope for you. Sorry. I want you to take this envelope. It's $10, and I want you to pray. Yes, I want you to ask God, God, how do you want me to spend to use this blessing that I've gotten? See, I've... My hope is that we, we would all do this with our paycheck, like all the money that we br bring in. But let's just start with the $10, with just $10. And if you are online, if you want to play along, just grab some 10 bucks, 
and go, God, what do you want me to do with this $10? If you and I can break the habit of having an emotional relationship with money and more of a strategic and maybe even a spiritual relationship with money, if we can begin to ask God, what do we need to do with the resources you've given me? Friends, your life will change. I'm not going to promise you that you tithe and all months, oh my gosh, you're going to drive a BMW. No. Okay? That is not the deal. Deal. I will tell you, but if you change your relationship with money and you make it out of a emotional, take it out of there and make it more spiritual, if you begin to pray and ask God how to use the resources that you have, all the resources that you have, you're going to step into moments and it's going to blow your mind. And guess what? You're going to be a Christ follower, as in you're going to be all about the kingdom because you're going to be building God's kingdom here on earth. All right, last question before I let you go. Here's it, here it is, the big point, the big idea, right? Take this money, pray about it, because here's the deal. The question, the question is tied to this prayer. The question is, how much money can God trust you with? Have you ever thought that? I know you've prayed about it, like as in I want more money, because who hasn't? But how much money can God trust you with? Can he trust you with this $10? You're like, yeah, because I'm just going to give it back. No, 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 no. Don't give it back. No, no, no. Give it to someone. Buy someone's lunch. Pay some, someone's gas. Uh, buy them a Starbucks. Buy them coffee. Buy them whatever. I don't even care what you buy them. Okay? I don't know. You, use, you ask God what you want to do with this money. The question is really is how much money... Can God trust you with, my friends? Luke 16 says this. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large things. But if you are dishonest in little things, uh, you won't be honest with greater responsibility. Friends, um, we have to understand that God wants to give us greater things, but he wants us to have a greater sense of responsibility so let's step into that let's step into that and you know what motivates me more than anything else i mean i love this strategic conversation what motivates me the most is this is this is this is is first peter one chapter one verses 19 18 and 19 says this for you for you know that god paid a ransom to save you from the empty life. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was precious. It was the precious blood of Christ. The sinless, spotless lamb of God. See, God saved me uh, from a poor life with a, with a rich Price. God saved me and paid uh, so much more to have a relationship with me. And my life needs to, to be the, to be the, you know, um, the thank you uh, to what he's done. So what if we were to do that? What if we say, God, I just want to thank you. I want to repay you. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all that I have, uh, starting with my money, but also everything, my time, resources, and I'm just going to, I just want to say thank you. Because, man, you paid a bigger price for me, and you gave more 
than I could ever give back. Friends, I want you to be captured by that because that will change your relationship with money. Remember what Jesus said, you can't love God and money. You just can't do it. So let's tell God we love him more. Let's show ourselves we love God more. And let's change our relationship with money. Let me pray for us. Lord God, thank you so much. So much for this conversation. I know, God, for so many of us, this is um, so emotional. Honestly, it's stressful. It's like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not quite sure. But God, I pray against fear. Fear of money, of, of lack, of not making it. The fear of being uh, people being generous, thinking like, if, what if I did this and I'm not quite sure if, it, if I'll have enough. God, I pray you break, you break us free from this power that money has. Set us free from fear. God, for some of us, set us free from guilt and shame. Guilt and shame, God, of, of like ne- ne- knowing what to do but yet not doing it. God, break us from that. God, you don't want us to be, feel condemned. You don't condemn us. No, 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 you don't condemn us. You accept us. You believe in us. And so I pray, God, that we would have the courage to do what we know is right. But God, I pray also for all the needs out there. God, there are people who are meeting financial needs right now or or trying to figure out what they're going to do. And God, there seems to be no way. I know, God, that you are the God of impossibles. And so I pray a blessing over each and every person who's listening to me, their finances, that God, as that is, they sow, they will reap abundant, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more audio and video content, visit us at mosaicchurch.tv.